Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Breakdown Podcast. This is a beta show, we'll call it, where I'm testing out some ideas for a new podcast. Still kind of talking to some people about maybe a co-host. Let me know what you think about a co-host or if you're enjoying the monologue. I love to hear from you. Now, I did do this week a live show where we kind of did a live podcast and I really enjoyed it. I think we're going to continue to do these pre-recorded podcasts because it's actually kind of hard to do everything I want in a podcast and talk to people on a live show and uh, moderate the chat, as some of you may have noticed. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to focus on doing a live show once a week. I'm thinking Tuesday is around 8 p.m. Eastern and maybe some during the day too. We'll see. But then we're also going to continue a pre-recorded podcast like this. And this podcast will go out through both podcasting apps and through where you can listen to the audio and through YouTube to watch it there. Um, right now I can monetize YouTube, so I appreciate if you can watch it there, but we're gonna be putting it out on different platforms and in different places out there. But I'm gonna be playing around with a show with different formats, different ideas. Keep sending me your feedback. Let me know what stories. I will be posting a email address real soon and we're also putting a Discord group live if you use Discord, it's a chat app where you can have different groups and areas where everybody can chat together, enjoy a conversation. I'm gonna be putting that live today. Check the show notes, check the comment down below for a link to join me in Discord. It's 100% free and we can have a basically a chat room where we can talk together in real time about news, technology, and more. Cord cutting support, go to cordcarsnews.com for any help with that. We're not gonna have that here, so keep that in mind. Um, and really, thank you to everybody who's continued to support Jess. I really do appreciate it. So let's kind of dive into it. A few things here. Uh, I'm very excited to kind of have more time. Uh, one of the reasons I've been a little slow in launching the podcast is I've been doing physical therapy three times a week since last fall as I deal with the hip issue and then the surgery and then the recovery from the surgery. Very excited to say I'm now down to once a week with my physical therapy, and that's gonna make this so much easier. Doesn't seem like much, but an hour and a half of physical therapy, well, it takes 15 minutes to get there, it takes 15 minutes to get home, you know, change, get ready, all this kind of stuff. Suddenly, you really ate up a good chunk of your day. So I'm excited to be done with that, to be getting back into more regular life schedule and have some fun out there. So let's dive into it. But first, if you're new here, do me a big favor. If you're watching this on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, hit that thumbs up. It really does help us because it lets YouTube know you enjoy what we do here. And leave me a comment. Let me know what you think of the show. All right, let's start off with Amazon is reportedly exploring ways to open discount stores to unload unsold electronics and other goods. Many big stores struggle with this, and it's not, it's not stores. Many wholesalers and more struggle with products that A, either they overestimated what the market demand would be for it. Sometimes it's things like the product's been recalled and they no longer can sell it. The manufacturer had an error. Now I'm stuck with these electronics I have to deal with or more. Um, and often though, it's just products that we overestimate what people would want. And now we can't do anything with it. No one wants to buy it and we can't ship it back because the customers won't take it back from us. Amazon got criticized in 2019 for destroying a ton of stuff including TVs and diapers from products they couldn't sell. Amazon's then has come out and said they intend to donate more unsold goods, and they're also looking for ways to clear out their warehouse and get through inventory without having to destroy it. And this is where the discount stores come in. Now, Amazon already has discount stores like this a little bit, but it sounds like Amazon's looking to get a little bit more creative. 
This time, instead of selling them online through discount stores online, but having both permanent and pop-up stores across the country, they'll pop up and clear out sections of warehouse. So if I have a warehouse here in Michigan with a ton of items, maybe I do a little pop-up. I find a store, kind of like you see with the Halloween stores and Christmas stores that are so popular to pop up. Maybe we open up a store there. Hey, three weeks only, huge discounts on physical goods. A few things about that. I can give better deals on them because I don't have to ship them anywhere. I just bring them to this place. You pick them up from that store and carry them away and more. Now, there is actually a whole market of liquidators out there, returns and more. People who buy bundles of goods from places like Amazon, Best Buy, Walmart and more and then fix them up and resell them. Many times, many returns, even though they may be an unopened item from Amazon, from Best Buy, from all these different stores, never get put back in stock because it it's not worth their time. When Amazon looks at the cost of the time to recertify this item that came back, we gotta make sure, is it really ever been opened? Was it messed with? Is it really broken or not? It's just better for Amazon to say, hey, here's a big bulk, we'll sell it online. And liquidations um, sites out there, you can go buy these huge crates of this and then buy them. And I know many people who then break them up, sell them on eBay, sell them at flea market, sell that kind of stuff all over the place. You may end up with a massive crate where half of it may be used or damaged and the other half may be unopened. Uh, other times it may be everything's open and two thirds of it you can actually get working and sell it quote unquote as refurbished. Amazon wants more into this market instead of just um, doing that, they look at doing pop-ups. So leave me a comment, let me know, would you be buying items from Amazon pop-up stores where it's just discount unsold items, maybe some returns and more in your neighborhood? Leave me a comment, let me know. All right, things have been kind of getting back to normal in the pandemic world or post-pandemic world as we're slowly creeping that way. Google is one of the things that started Reopen. Google's announced that they're going to start with partial reopening of their offices this month, and they're going to start putting limits on work from home and remote working in general. According to Google, if you want to work more than 14 days per year away from the office remotely, not on a business trip, just to be clear, um, you need to now file for approval with your manager to do that. Now, Google and many other companies, while work at home is fun and trendy and more, they've decided that's not as effective. And I can see that to a point. There definitely is a collaborative feel to have people in the same room exchanging ideas. That can be very beneficial, especially in the world of programming. I would say the benefit of having people in the office with me was a noticeable benefit to have people there working together to try to come up with uh, systems and ideas and more. Chat is great, phone calls are great, there's something about that personal connection. So I kind of agree with Google a little bit here um, and that it is uh, easier to have everybody in person to a point. Now Google says it's advising its employees to get the vaccine, but it said it will not make it mandatory there. So let me know, is your work making you go back? Have you noticed other things get back to normal? I know last year gym equipment, dumbbells, weights, and more were almost impossible to find. Here in Michigan, people with bikes were very, it was very hard to get your hands on bikes here. Uh, they were selling out everywhere, selling out Walmart, selling out at bike stores. But now, bikes and gym equipment are readily available. And I even saw my local Meyer, which is kind of like a Walmart, they were even on sale where you could get them at a 30% discount, something you would never have seen last year. So let me know. I've also started to see some cleaning supplies on sale. 
have you noticed anything kind of getting back to normal? Have you noticed products that you thought may never be back in stock, not only in stock, but in abundance and on sale? Leave me a comment and let me know. All right, Apple had a major um, milestone, we'll say. Uh, back on April 1st, depending on when you listen to this, 2021, Apple turned 45 years old. And what I thought was interesting here is while many people know of Steve Wozniak, the guy who actually invented the Apple computer, Steve Jobs, the guy who saw the potential, marketing, and more, there's actually a third person that was involved in the creation of Apple. Ronald Wayne, I hope I pronounced that right, was the third owner. He later sold his 10% share in the company back to Jobs and Wozniak just 12 days after founding it to avoid financial risk. He was worried because they were borrowing a large amount of money and then building the computers, selling them, and then taking the money from the sale back to repay the loans at the banks in different places. That basically, at some point, they wouldn't be able to sell them, they wouldn't be able to pay the loans, and the banks would come after him because he had money, he thought. Now today, he would have owned 10% of $200 billion, which would have made him a billionaire at about $20 billion. <laughs> so if you ever walked away from something and regretted it, uh, yeah, probably not as much as you, Ronald Wayne may regret it right now after he walked away from 10% of Apple just 12 days after it was founded because he was afraid of it. Now, he may be happy in the long run, but overall, it's a very interesting story of maybe being a little too cautious. Now, Steve Wozniak is probably one of the most unsung heroes of Apple. He's not really involved in the company, hasn't been in a very long time, but he was the guy who helped actually create the Apple computer that Steve Jobs later said, hey, there's something here, I can market it." this. Steve Jobs was less of an engineer and more of a businessman that can look at a product and say, you know what, I can make that, I can sell that and more. Often great ideas fail, not because it's not a great idea, but because they fail to get somebody out there and say, hey, I'm going to get this on the market and do it. Now, Apple subsequently ran into similar problems that let Microsoft pass them. Microsoft was much more willing at times to just, to just put a product on the market and get it out there, but also to be able to market it is a big part. You can have the greatest idea, but if you can't communicate that, that's where the business falls apart. And that's where Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak really became a great duo. Steve Wozniak had the computer, the smarts, the inventors side of it. Steve Jobs definitely had the business side of it. Not to say that both of them didn't have creative ideas. Both of them didn't have business ideas. Just, you know, you took two pairs of people right there, paired them together with a perfect combination of business and creativity to create Apple. I don't know, let me know what you think Apple. I've actually moved pretty much all away from Apple, though I will say I was a huge iPod fan back in the day. Even bought their iPod Classic with the massive, back then, what was it, 128 gigs of storage? Still have it, love it. I have an iPad that I sometimes use. Don't really like it, to be honest with you, but I needed it when we had an app for the business, and you have to have an Apple product in order to be in the Apple App Store. So that was a requirement. I had to buy that iPod, iPad, excuse me, just for that reason. So let me know, are you a huge Apple fan? Are you like me, moved over to Android and Windows mostly? Leave me a comment and let me know. All right, we are one step closer to autonomous self-driving trucks on the, on the highways. Yes, I do believe that in the next five to 10 years, you will see a ton of self-driving freight trucks driving up and down our highways. And a major part of the puzzle has just been approved, and that's Baton raising $10.5 million to create drop zones. 
The issue with self-driving trucks is not the highway. We can very easily drive massive semi-trucks safely up and down interstates. The problem is that final mile, right? Getting it into the major city and delivering it to the gate or the loading dock or whatever of wherever you're dropping this off. Now, um, Baden and others hope to counter this by basically making gigantic rest stops just off of major interstates where human drivers can pick up a load at a warehouse, let's say in New York City, drive it just outside of New York City to one of these staging groups, drop off the trailer, have a self-driving truck pick it up, drive it to just outside of Las Vegas, let's say, park it there, then a human driver takes it into Vegas and completes the delivery, and then maybe reloads, goes back to the drop-off place, and does it there. Now, there is actually a massive reason I think that this will be one of the areas we see self-driving vehicles grow as fast as they will. And that's because there's a huge demand for truck drivers. There are not enough truck drivers. Trucking companies are really struggling with a shortage. You can get a $10,000 sign-on bonus right now if you're a qualified truck driver. Um, and it can be even higher than that, depending on where you go and what you're willing to do. The problem is getting enough people willing to do it to meet the ever-growing demand of shipping in the United States. One of the biggest costs, especially in the food industry, is the need to have transportation. High cost of transportation is a major part of the cost of food out there. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out and how in the long run we do it. But because there's a shortage of drivers, because it's such a high cost to get human drivers, I believe that self-driving semi-trucks would be one of the first areas where we see commercial success for self-driving vehicles. Eventually, I do believe that self-driving vehicles will become a major part of how we commute, how we interact and how we run our industries out there. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. Would you own a self-driving car? I've often thought when we lived out of state, we used to live about six to eight hours away from where my parents lived. Wouldn't this be great? Get in the car at night. We fall asleep in the car. We wake up at our parents' house in the driveway. That'll be awesome. And I think increasingly that's where we go. We see a lot of tests of self-driving vehicles out there right now. Even Walmart uses it with self-driving uh, floor cleaners that go up and down the aisles in Walmart grocery stores. I believe that we'll see this become more and more popular in the weeks and months to come. But in the years to come, in the next five to 10 years, I predict that you will notice a huge jump in the number of semi-trucks that are 100% self-driven. If you think you've had a bad day, it's probably not as bad as the man who returned from his shopping trip to find 15,000 bees had moved into his car. A man while shopping in New Mexico came back to his car to find it full of bees. He called 911, who later um, brought in some bee experts to help clear out his car of a swarm of bees who had flown in through a crack in his window he had left down to help keep the car cool in a grocery store located in New Mexico. So always remember, if you're having a bad day, you could come home to find 15,000 bees in your car after work. Happened to this man when he went grocery shopping. So do you miss flying or do you miss the food on a plane? I can't say I've ever really thought about the food on a plane, though I will say it's better than it used to be. But in Japan, if you're willing to spend a lot, Nippon Airways will allow you to eat dinner inside a parked plane on the, on the tarmac, but the cost is $540 a meal. And it's turned out to be quite a hit. Not really sure what makes people want to spend $540 or their equivalent over there to eat on a plane, but you can do that in Japan right now and sit in first class and enjoy a full-blown meal as you watch TV on the screen there, but you don't actually go anywhere. There's no actual travel involved. 
Pan Airways and so many other airlines are really struggling to get planes in the air and use all these grounded planes for international travel. That's not happening. By the way, I really hope I pronounced Nippon Airways correctly. If I didn't, my apologies. But there's an increasing demand to figure out what to do with very expensive planes that airlines are having to pay lease payments on, but that aren't flying. Australia is hoping to get its planes in the air with a $1.2 billion US dollar package to encourage domestic travel. International travel, though, is what's needed to get a lot of these bigger, more expensive long-haul aircraft into the air. The global airline industry is facing its toughest challenge ever, even tougher than some post-terrorist uh, attacks in the past which shut down all air travel because now people aren't just afraid about maybe being hijacked, but they're actually afraid of the disease that's unseen. Security lines and more can help make passengers feel safe about the physical security of a trip, but how do you make passengers feel safe about flying? Increasingly, we've been seeing flights to nowhere um, that allow um, people to jump on a plane and fly around. We've also seen ones where people can go through the whole process of boarding and get on a plane and actually take off, but now Nippon Airways is actually upping it by offering it almost as a restaurant online. Let me know, would you pay to eat in an airline like this and not actually go anywhere, just eat on a plane, have dinner there, and then go home? Let me know. The U.S. economy had a great month last month in March, adding 916,000 new jobs to the market, dropping the unemployment rate to 6%. What was mainly interesting here was the fact that the leisure and entertainment industry was some of the biggest. Now, that probably makes sense that these are the biggest areas that people are coming back to for two reasons. A, many of them were closed. Here in Michigan, a lot of restaurants and more were closed until March or more. They weren't closed. They were at very limited capacity. Also, I think people are increasingly getting sick of being stuck at home as vaccination rates skyrocket. Increasingly, people are ready. They want to go back to movies. They want to go back to theater. They want to go back to restaurants. They want to get out of their house. They're sick of being around the house, and I can't blame them. So I'd love to know, are you ready to get back out there? I'll be honest, I am. I am ready to hit the, mar hit the road and check out what's happening in the world around us and not sit in front of the TV. So let me know, are you interested in being out and about or are you not quite ready yet? I'd love to hear from you. All right, to end up the podcast today, I kind of wanted to talk about something that's been bugging me I wanted to bring up. I love my Echo speakers, I love my smart assistants and more, but I kind of wish the developers would stop adding new features and improve its voice recognition and improve its ability to do tasks when I ask. For example, it seems that my Echo is very limited in what it can do if I don't ask it perfectly. Uh, this week, I asked my uh, Echo to please turn up the heat on the main floor and got an error message. I changed it to say please turn up the temp on the main floor and it worked perfectly. Seems like Amazon and others should be able to program these smart speakers out there to be able to understand exactly what I'm saying when I'm saying it without having to have me restate it three or four times perfectly worded the way they want it to. But increasingly, that's what it is, and it's kind of annoying. We'll have to wait and see if they improve. I absolutely love smart speakers. I think they're an important part. I talked a lot about this during the live show, but for my grandma, who has eyesight issues, she is slowly losing her sight, and it's not a correctable thing, we've put in a lot of smart speakers in her home for a couple reasons. First of all, she loves listening to the radio. She loves the ability to listen to audiobooks because she can't read anymore, but she can't even really see a clock anymore. So the ability to ask the Echo to tell her the time, set an alarm, 
remind her of stuff. Play an audiobook, play the radio, and more has been huge. Also, it's nice knowing that if she ever falls or more, she can just call out to the Echo, and the Echo can get a hold of my parents and to send help or more. So it's really cool. It's a great feature. I've actually, thinking about this during the live show this week, I don't really use regular radios anymore. In my home, I do in my car. I listen to the radio sometimes in my car. But in my home, 100% of the time, I'm listening to a streaming device. We have a whole home stereo system that came built into the home when we bought it. I attach an Echo to it, so now I can stream music through my Echo through the entire home. Also have some in my office, in the kitchen, and a few other places throughout the house, um, including the bathroom, to be able to listen to the radio without actually having a physical radio. It's really nice. I love the morning news briefs as I you know, brush my teeth and shave and more. It's really great. I just really wish they would make it a little bit easier to ask for things. Natural language conversations with these smart assistants, I think, should be the main focus for many of these people because it's not just me, but my grandma, too. It's like, okay, I know it didn't do what you want, grandma, but you really have to ask it very specifically in how it responds. Let me know. Has that been a major annoyance to you? Have you um, found other things that work better for you? Leave me a comment. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. All right, everybody. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Let me know what you think of the format. Let me know what you think of it. I really enjoy this. I enjoy a conversation as people work for me. No, I can probably talk your ear off, much to your annoyance sometimes. And I enjoy doing these podcasts for that reason. I will be posting links to this on different streaming um, platforms where you can add it to your podcast list. I will also be putting our Discord group down there. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you think of it. I'd love to hear from you. So you can chat with me there. If you have story ideas, leave us a comment. I will also be posting an email address soon where you can submit stories. And I'm also going to be looking for voicemails. I'm going to be setting up a service where you can call and leave an audio message. And then I can play them here in the podcast and respond to your questions. I do intend to continue to do live shows. It's just a little harder to do a format kind of like this while trying to moderate the comments and respond to people while they're asking it because people want to chat with you in two-way. I think we're going to let the, again, let the podcast be the podcast like this where I talk to you and give you my opinions and talk about the news. And then in the Q&A, we're going to just talk and answer your questions and have a conversation together. Let me know what you think of that format. Hope you have a fantastic Easter if you're celebrating that. If not, I hope you just have a fantastic day. Thank you to everybody for your support. I really appreciate it. We'll be back real soon. Take care, everybody.